When Yaman Mehdad was a teenager in Damascus, Syria, there was one place he'd go almost every day, his friend Mazan's cassette shop. So just sit with him, hang out with him, smoke cigarettes, and then just listen to the new music, punk music or like Gregorians or stuff like this. So it was always like a trip to explore the unknown for me. This was in the 90s when cassette shops were all over Syria. They really acted as a place for people who were curious and wanted to tap into uh, music that wasn't the state narrative music or what was not allowed or what we lacked access to. At the same time, unbeknownst to Mehdad, someone else was also falling in love with Syrian cassette culture. On every populated street in town, you'd find cassette kiosks. Mark Georges grew up in the States, but his family is from Iraq. In the 90s, he began to rediscover the Arabic music from his childhood, which brought him to Syria and its multitude of music kiosks. They'd often just be blaring that week's popular tape at full volume, just just next to another cart whose owner would have his favorite tape of the week blaring at an even greater volume. So it was this beautiful cacophony. Two decades later, in 2018, Georges and Mehdad met. They began to digitize their old cassette tapes to try to preserve that era of music, especially as the Civil War scattered Syrian culture. Now their collection is living online and growing. It's called the Syrian Cassette Archives. It spans decades of cassette production in the country and a broad range of genres, like shabby music. Uh, Shabi music is basically folk pop around Syria due to its diversity. There's more than 20 different ethnic and religious groups uh, in, in Syria with their own local traditions that go back for thousands of years. This type of music didn't get access to the, to the mainstream. So folk pop is, or shabi is the type of sound that was popular in different parts of Syria. So you'll have a Horani shabi, you'll have a Syriani shabi, a Kurdish shabi, you know. For instance, Wafiq Habib, who is, who is still quite a famous uh, Syrian shabi uh, folk pop singer. The nature of these tapes, they were like business cards for, for the musicians. Um, they sort of kept their name alive so that they could perform. By having visibility on the shelf uh, at the bus stops or at the kiosks, uh, that singer would continue to get, get calls to, be, to perform at weddings and celebrations. By making this a Syrian cassette archive, you zero in on a period in time. What is it about the cassette specifically? I think specifically in the Global South uh, the cassette medium just democratized the process even more so than the rest of the world due to um, the complexity of producing records and vinyl records. So, in, for example, in Syria, there was no pressing plant. So for you to reach a level where you can press a record, you have to be an artist that reached a prestigious level. When cassettes were introduced in the 70s, that changed the game. A lot of these musicians were functional musicians. They would perform in weddings and festivals locally. But then when the cassettes were introduced, they were able to record in a DIY setup their sound and distribute it outside of their region. So that's what's really special about the cassettes, if, uh, in my opinion. 
The city of Aleppo specifically has been a melting pot for centuries, right along the Silk Road, and the influences from all over the world are reflected in the food, in the architecture. A lot of the music in your collection comes from Aleppo. Do we hear that kind of global melting pot here? Aleppo was was the primary hotbed for cassette production companies. Um, we, we can hardly count the number of them that came and went, and some endured for decades. But after 2011, you know, some of these longstanding music companies disappeared overnight. When the Civil War uh, began, yeah. Exactly. And in our research, we've located a few of them and a few of the owners or even the next of kin, but many remain untraceable. A lot of our cassettes do come from Aleppo, even though maybe they were featuring music from the Kurds or music from uh, northeastern Syria. The centralized location for the production was in Aleppo. Aleppo it has a huge role in shaping up classical Arabic music, and there was a rite of passage to go through Aleppo and to prove to the Samia, the term goes, the, the avid listeners, to get their you know blessing. If you can make it in Aleppo, you can make it anywhere. Exactly, definitely. Does Aleppo have a signature sound? Of course. The most recent superstar of that that managed to globalize the sound is Sabah Fakhri. It's a wonderful type of singing uh, and uh, composition that goes back for more than a thousand years. What makes this so special, so significant? I think it's it's a personal thing that like, depends on how you hear it. But to me, it's just an unbelievably beautiful song. It's a poem that was rearranged uh, with the work of Sabah Fakhri and his band. So these are ancient lyrics set to an original melody. Yes, set to original melody, but rearranged to a contemporary, you know, uh, big band. It's really hard to talk about the rich diversity, the beauty of Aleppo without thinking of how devastated it was by the Syrian civil war. This would be a historical archive of great value, even if the war had not happened. But how do you think of it in the context of what's been lost? I mean, the idea for an archival project came during the horror of watching from afar as Syria fell into war and destruction after 2011 and, and learning of friends and contacts, you know, suffering un, unthinkable trauma and displacement, even death. So I started looking at, at the, the cassettes that I had from Syria with new eyes. The collection had taken on an unfortunate new gravity. The stories behind that era and the tapes and the, the makers behind them also had such a largely undocumented narrative. We really felt that it was time to focus on them. And our hope is that the project can help preserve the memory of this era and add to the conversations around the, the musical history that, that we don't feel should be uh, forgotten or overlooked by any means. Yaman, when the Damascus that you grew up in is forever changed and the Damascus you remember is gone, what value does that add to a collection like this? Yeah, definitely forever changed. I was in Damascus actually two months ago for like quite some time, for like 40 days. Definitely things have changed. Definitely things are extremely hard at the moment, especially economically due to sanctions and government policies and so on. But, you know, like the magical thing about that place that people always persevere and they still do their thing. And within all this you know, horror, they are still creating and loving and believing, you know, so... It's there and people are still making stuff and producing stuff against all odds. So it's always refreshing to see that and, and to be a small part of it somehow. So um, it's a two sides to it, basically. The archiving aspect where we're preserving, but also how can we push forward and engage and, and stay alive and, and dream of how this can still be part of our future identity somehow. 
Yaman Mehdad, and Mark Jurgis. You can visit the Syrian Cassette Archives at syriancassettearchives.org. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Thank you, Adi. Thank you.